by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Welcome back to N17 Women, the only podcast exclusively dedicated to Tottenham Hotspur women. This is Caroline, and I'm joined by my usual co-hosts, Rachel, Sean, and Abby. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. It's been a slow working day. I don't know. Not a whole lot to report. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, not so bad. It's... uh been a bit of a strange day but here we are talking about the women's football so it can only get stranger right (laughs) yeah it's like raining cats and dogs in temper and has been for a little bit which is very atypical so the mood is the mood is very subdued over here yeah I feel you we've had a bizarre amount of rain for Texas also (laughs) well we're going to talk today about Spurs women's uh, nil three away loss to Manchester United And I feel like it's one thing to say that a game is a free hit and not expect to get a result. And another thing entirely to actually experience the pain of losing to United once again. I know that I personally was feeling some major angst after this one, although a little bit of that had to do with kind of big picture stuff and off the pitch happenings rather than just the performance itself. But let's start by talking about the team selection because there's a lot to discuss around that alone. So there were a few changes to both the starting lineup and the players available on the bench, some of which we had predicted and some of which came as a total surprise. To start with, Ramona Petzelberger was available on the bench for the first time since making her Spurs debut in the Arsenal away match way back in September. She would end up appearing as a substitute late in the match. And joining her on the bench were Ash Neville and Evelina Simonen, both of whom were on yellow card accumulation suspension watch. So that we kind of saw coming. Ash ended up seeing the pitch, but Evelina was an unused substitute. And Rosella Ion also came off the bench after having started the previous match against Brighton. So replacing those three players in the starting 11 were Shalina Zadorski, Kit Graham, and Jess Naz. Shalina was making her first appearance since the reverse fixture at home to United, while Kit got her first start of the season, having missed most of it with her ACL recovery. And Jess made just her fifth start of the season due to her own injury struggles. Finally, Tenny Corpella replaced Becky Spencer in goal, ending Becky's three-game starting streak. Okay, so that was a lot. Uh, Sean, you joked in our group chat after the game that we had been asking for changes from Vicky Jepsen. But were these all positive ones? And more generally, did this lineup fill y'all with confidence that we could get a result? I mean, I guess some of that was understandable we knew that ash was on a card potentially um situation and we didn't really want that to be activated given that the next game realistically was more important than this one and i think probably sensible that evelina wasn't brought into the what might have been um, a little bit of a hot situation for her uh didn't want anything detracting from the game and that might have done particularly with it being quite so full of United fans and and there being relatively few Spurs fans there. Um, it was interesting that Kit, that um, that Becky made way for, for Tinney. It's interesting that often it seems to be that Becky is the first choice until we play one of the big four and then Tinney comes in uh, and seems to, and, and I think her selection was um, justified by her performance in the game. And I said I wanted to see 
Kit get a start. So I was pleased that Kit did, did get a start and nice to see her getting some minutes. And Jess also with her injury problems I don't, uh, and Shalina, we were kind of expecting back at some point, I think. Um, we, she has, until her uh, her issues with health, been a regular starter and a, you know, a, a constant in that starting 11. So no, not really surprising that she came back in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I I think when you go to Lee, you know, the chances are you're going to get a bit of a hammering. Um, and even when we play well against Man United at home, we still really struggle when we go to Lee. Um, it was a nice sunny day, which made a change. Usually the first time we went to Lee, it was foggy and you couldn't see the other side of the pitch pretty much. And last year, I don't remember it being a very nice day, but this year was a, a nice sunny day, although it didn't feel so inside the stadium where we were. But um, yeah, I, I, as we said at the last, last time, something needs to change and Vicky certainly um, provided. So unlike Sean, I was on the sunny side of the stadium, so I enjoyed the full, full sunshine. Um, but yeah, I thought, I mean, it was lots of things I was really happy to see. Obviously, it was fantastic to see Ramona back on the bench. We've been wondering where she's been and, you know, nice to know that she's still alive and um, see her get some minutes. But I was also really happy about Shalina and Kit and Jess all coming on. And as Sean said, you know, Tinny had a great game. I was really surprised, though, that we didn't see a back three, which we'd seen in the home game against Manchester United and which was pretty effective. And I wasn't the most excited to see that with Ash not in the team. We had Amy at right back, which we've talked about ad nauseum on this pod. And I thought we'd seen the end of. But hey, it's back again, a back four with Amy at right back. So that was not my most excited, I guess. And yeah, I think the other thing is I hadn't clocked in advance that Evelina was on yellow card accumulation and I was really sad not to see her there. And I think we really, I mean, we're going to talk about the game, but we definitely missed her absence. Um, So yeah, I think in some ways we predicted that Ash might not be, well, we hadn't actually talked about it, but we talked about her yellow card accumulation. So that sort of made sense straight away. Um, but yeah, so it was a it was one of those lineups where I was like, there were things I liked in it, and there was a lot of things that I was not the most excited about. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm like hearing you list all the players who came back in, like Shalina, Kit, and Jess. I'm kind of like, like when I was so I did not watch the game live. It was at five thirty in the morning. You'll have to forgive me. But when I was looking back over what happened. I was like looking at them like subbing Ash in and stuff like that. And I was like, what were we doing in the lineup? But like hearing about the three of them coming in, returning from injury now, I'm like, you know, that's actually like, I like that. Like it should be like, it should have been something I was excited about and something that I was like interested to see how those players work together. And I mean, like, yeah, given Evelina was on a yellow card and the situation, I like I know I joked like last time when I couldn't record that if um if you guys said anything on my behalf, it was that I'm really afraid Evelina's gonna get kneecapped in this game. So like I'm I was <laughs> I missed her heaps. I missed her so much, but um I, I'm very, very happy she didn't get kneecapped in this game. Yeah, I think we can all agree with that. Thank you, Vicky, for protecting her. And y'all are right, you know. <laughs> Especially, I think Shalina maybe had a little bit of rest coming back after her injury. But Kit and Jess, I thought, had really positive performances. So definitely not a bad thing to have them starting. We'll move on talking about the game. 
And in the first half, we were able to hold off United until the 32nd minute, but then unfortunately conceded two goals basically back to back. The first was a gift of a misplaced back pass from Amy Turner that Leah Galton took advantage of to fire pass Corpola. It was another example of many this season of poor communication between Amy and Molly Bartrip, whose partnership in defense just really hasn't solidified. And then the second goal came from a short corner routine by United that Spurs just failed to clear with Alicia Russo taking the final shot. I think this one can probably be chalked down to the fact that we really don't have anyone who's particularly dominant in the air when we're defending set pieces. Uh, and then shortly before halftime, we did have a big chance to get a goal back through Celine Bizet. Kit Graham was able to clean up a loose ball in the defensive third and quickly moved the ball up to Jess Naz on the wing, who did very well to dribble past Maya Latissier and cross the ball into the six-yard box for Celine to head. The goal was open, but her header ricocheted off the crossbar and post, and Beth England crossed the ball back into the area for Jess to get a shot off, but that was also blocked by Millie Turner. So how did y'all feel going into halftime? You know, what were your thoughts from that first half? And did you have some hope that we could get back into the game despite the sloppy defense so far? I mean, not a lot of hope. There were, I think there were two really great chances for Spurs in that half. So the one you described, and there was another which also involved Kit playing a through ball to Beth England. And she went round Mary Earps and then Mayor Letizia managed to, you know, have a sliding tackle and get the ball off her. Um, but that was, I think that one, I was like, I felt like, yes, Beth is going to score. And that was when we were at nil nil. And at that point, maybe it felt like there were some opportunities, but that was pretty much until the one you described the only opportunity. And even pretty much the only time Spurs had the ball in the final third for most of the first half. And we felt lucky to be two nil down. So on the one hand, there were defensive errors, but on the other hand, Actually, there was a lot of pressure and the team had withstood quite a lot of attempts, not just Tinney making saves, but other things happening and, you know, all of the players getting back. And I think a lot of it was about not being able to move the ball out of defence and Man United were pressing really hard and effectively and we were not, you know, I think that I kept on saying, you know, please get the ball to kick because it felt, you know, she was doing so much good stuff with it, but she really was not getting the ball. And that's because it couldn't get, it wasn't getting to her and our players in defence, but also in defensive midfield were being pressed so hard and were there were turnovers um, repeatedly. So, yeah, I didn't have a lot of hope at that point, just because at that I felt like we were doing well to only be 2-0 down. Yeah, I think that it's funny that that you mentioned, you know, the the amount of constant pressure we were under because my take at halftime was basically like, you know, we were liable to concede two goals without us chucking the ball in the back of our own net. And then we kind of chucked the ball in the back of our own net. So it was really like really demoralizing stuff on one hand. On the other hand, it was also like. I did feel that those were two really good opportunities that we had. They gave me hope for the future, but they did not give me hope for this game. Cause I was like, that was it. <laughs> That's all we're going to get. We had to put it away then. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought the first half an hour, we did pretty well, really. Um, <clears throat> because going to Lee, I expect to come, we, you know, previously when we've gone to Lee, we've come away with a terrible scoreline. Uh, and even when we weren't quite, th- when we were thinking, you know, like last season, when we'd drawn with them at home, we were thinking this might be it. And it 
really wasn't. So I thought we did quite well. I, I did say at one point they're having a bit that, you know, they, they're not having any luck because they were shooting wide and they, you know, our players were just doing enough to get in the way. So Antini made some, some great saves. Uh, but, you know, to, to have gone half an hour without having conceded a goal, I think against United, at United, is a pretty a pretty good thing. And it was just such a shame the manner in which we conceded that first goal. Um, I think it probably speaks to confidence at that ground, but also then leads to even less confidence. You know, something like that happens and, you could, you know, that, that energy drops and, you know, you can see that kind of here we go kind of feeling creeping in. Um, and as soon as Mia Gorton got on the ball, you knew what was going to happen. Um, so that was really disappointing. And then the confusion around the second goal, I think, you know, nobody, which again happened later on for the third goal, a bit of a confusion in our box, um, which is worrying to see. You know, we've talked about it quite a lot, actually, is discipline in the defence and um, people knowing where their defensive partners are and things. And it just felt like a little bit of confusion there and a free shot for the United player quite quickly. And then you do have to say, it's worrying. Um, at that point, 2-0 down at United, you're worried. But we had had a couple of really good opportunities, a couple of really good attacks, as you uh, as we've mentioned, that did kind of make you think, well, we have got it within us to attack. We have got it within us to get shots off or get near to the goal. And against Aston Villa, against all odds, look at what happened there. So you've got two kind of sides vying. But I think realistically, at that point, I was just hoping that we weren't going to start shipping four or five goals. Yeah, and I mean, it's a good point about doing well not to concede for 30 minutes because you can't exactly say the same for our other relegation scrap company this week in Kenya. (laughs) Yeah, very fair. I would say though that that one goal I saw some Man United fans on Twitter thanking Amy for the assist to Leah Galton, which was a I'm bit not gonna painful. lie, it had occurred to me, but I don't really think that's what happened. No, I don't think she did that at all. <laughs> it was just painful because it actually could have been. It was that perfect a pass. You know, it's funny you say that because when she hit that back pass so poorly, it was making me think of Lucas Mora's goof for the men's team a couple of games ago. And in that game, I had had the thought, oh, well, you know, Allison was his teammate from Brazil. Like maybe they still have this lingering connection. So you never know. It's it's unintentional. But on the upside, talking about connections, I did see like um, it was nice to see Karis and Rachel Williams like, going at it against each other. There was clearly no like attempt to... Um, have a friendship on the pitch even if they have a very good one off of it gosh I wish she had put the ball in and well actually no it would have been really sad for Rachel Williams to score an own goal but like maybe she could have returned the favor that's all I'm saying no I think Rachel and Karis are both like consummate competitors so there was no chance of them taking it easy on each other but I think y'all are right to point out that we we have seen some good things from our attack in these recent games especially with like Kit Graham and Jess Naz coming back from injury and looking really sharp. I think that bodes well for next season. If we can just kind of get the defense and, you know, that kind of defensive midfield sorted out, but we'll move on to the second half. Um, And right away we had kind of a momentous decision because Vicky made the somewhat puzzling decision to take Jess out at halftime and bring Rosella on. What was your immediate reaction to this sub? 
well, immediately I thought it must be a minutes thing because she hasn't started. <clears throat> she hasn't had many minutes for quite a while. So I presume it was a, a decision they'd made before the game that Jess was going to get 45 minutes because her performance certainly didn't suggest that she needed to come off. I mean, I've been massively critical of Roz in the past, but I also am really happy that we are at the point where we've got enough wingers and attacking players that you can make substitutions and create different, you know, problems for the opposition to solve. And so she wouldn't have been my first choice to come on. And, you know, she still isn't great when she's not, I mean, she doesn't look up all of the time. And so she has a lot of speed, but she sometimes frustratingly doesn't see people. But I don't think this was her worst game. And more generally, I like the fact that Vicky is making all of her substitutions. So I think this might have been the first game where she made all five substitutions and is using the squad in a way to change things. And so that I appreciate, at least. Yeah, I feel like if like Jess looked sharp in the first half, I thought I saw some really good stuff from her. And given that if, you know, if she was feeling a niggle or like something like they had agreed beforehand that she was on limited minutes, then I that is what I immediately assumed when she was coming off. I'd rather save sharp Jess for our last two games. And I think like, yeah, we really have come a long way from when it felt like our only fit attacker was Roz, which was like really not that long ago. So like, look at us go. We've come a long way. Yeah, I think that's a fair point that part of the thinking could be looking ahead to that next game against Reading. And we saw that with the subs that come up later on in the match. But United, unfortunately, were able to basically put the game away with a third goal in the 53rd minute. Leah Galton played provider this time and put a dangerous cross into the box. Shalina and Karis were both at hand, but neither was able to clear the ball. And it bounced rather unfortunately off Karis's back right into Nikita Paris's path. She took a touch to settle the ball and fired it past Tenny. But speaking of Tenny, just as y'all noted earlier, I think she really did have a great game and made quite a few key saves that kept the scoreline somewhat respectable. So we got to give her some respect there. And a few minutes after the goal, Vicky opted for a triple substitution. She took off Celine, Kit, and Drew and brought on Ash, Mana Iwabuchi, and Rhea Percival. The main thing here, I think, is that Ash avoided picking up a yellow card in the final half hour of the game. So good job, Ash. And she will still be available for the Reading match. And Mana had perhaps our best chance of the game, besides that Beth England opportunity that you had referenced earlier, Rachel. Um, But for this chance, Beth had pulled back the ball basically at the goal line for Mana to definitely control past Letizia, but her shot went straight at Mary Earps. And on Roz's follow-up shot, she also made it pretty simple for Earps to pull off this double save by kicking it straight at her, essentially. So what did y'all make of Ash, Mana, and Rhea's performances overall with that triple sub? I mean, I think I was really happy to see Rhea on. It felt like, as I said earlier, without Evelina, we were not able to press. And there was just a lack of intensity. And Rhea brought some of that. I don't think she resolved the issue, but she definitely helped. I think Ash, I mean, Ash initially came on and was playing at, uh, I can't remember if it was left or right wing, but she was playing up the pitch. And then she moved to right back when Amy finally came off a bit later. 
And I think she, I mean, she didn't have a massive influence. I don't know if it was partly because, I mean, partly because we were not getting the ball up to her when she was playing in that position. And then when she was playing right back, um, you know, it was near the end of the game. But I think it was also that when that Manchester United was slightly um, made a decision to go to the other side when she was on the pitch. And so it did seem to affect how Manchester United were setting up and playing. So, yeah. And I think Manor, it's interesting. The last few games, she seemed to have less sort of physical presence. I mean, one of the things I was really struck by in those early games we saw her against Chelsea when she'd just come to Spurs is her tenacity and her physical strength. Uh, despite being small and that seems to have decreased almost so that she seems more easily knocked off the ball in some of these games um but yeah I just one of the things to add about Tinny is she was booed consistently and loudly by Man United fans from you know pretty much like about the 10th minute or so basically you know, about time wasting, um, holding the ball um, when she went down with an injury, despite the fact she was actually properly injured one time and you saw Becky warming up, maybe going to come on. Uh, and it's just ironic because we know, you know, Mary Earps is queen of time wasting and I'm not, I'm not calling her out for that. There is nothing wrong with time wasting. If you're going to do it within the rules of the game, fine. I don't even think Tinny was massively doing it. She was sometimes calming game down because we were under so much pressure and she needed to do that. But so just double shout out to her for just basically like war off a duck's back, continuing, keeping on going, you know, playing the game at her own speed. And so, yeah. It's yeah. her unflappable finished character. I did I did think it was kind of out of order from the Man United fans, like straight away. It wasn't even like she'd really spent any time time wasting. They just decided they were going to boo her. And then when Man United were 2-0 up, they continued booing her. And you're like... Why would she be time wasting at this point? What what possible reason could there be for her to time waste when we're two or three goals down? At that point is when you don't want to time waste. So yeah, the typical kind of well, that kind of creeping in from the men's game stuff that I don't like to see personally. Um, and yeah, well done to Tinny for ignoring it. Um, but um, yeah, I, mean, I think you know the, the the players that came on did a job. Um, disappointing that Manor hit that chance straight at the keeper and and Roz followed up by hitting straight at the keeper um the uh commentator on Spurs play was making out that it was a great double save I'm like it really wasn't that great a double save because they both hit it straight at her so she really would have been on one not to to save the both of those and it was was just a shame that they couldn't get it a little bit away from the keeper and great to see Rhea getting more minutes and hopefully she'll be getting you know more game time in the last two games of the season where she can really have an impact um and ash not having a card is a good thing because we do need her um certainly against reading she may well get a card against reading and then not play against west ham but hopefully by that point we'll have uh, <laughs> we'll have taken ourselves out of the danger zone yeah that's a good call out rachel about ria kind of bringing a little bit more control to the game i definitely saw that too her touch was a little off at times, which I think is natural with her having been out of the game for basically a year. But she, she has a good knack for like knowing where to be and when when she needs to claim the ball, when she needs to move it along. So yeah, good to see her back in the midfield for sure. And then Ramona was our final sub of the game coming on for Amy. And this was obviously not a like for like sub. So perhaps it was just an opportunity for Ramona to get some minutes in a game where the result was already decided. 
And as you mentioned, we saw that shift of Ash going back into the defense as a result. So do y'all have thoughts on how Ramona impacted the game or not? I think when I was watching it live, I I was telling I was there with lots of um Man United family. And I was telling them about her and the fact that we hadn't seen her. And so they were actually became quite excited to see her because they were intrigued by a player who disappeared and then reappeared, you know, whatever it is, eight months later, 10 months later. But during the game, I honestly don't think I remember her doing very much. And then I watched it back. And I think the one thing I would say is that it did occur to me that she was much more defensively aggressive than I'd remembered her being in the sort of summer when we saw her. And I was excited. I was pleased about that. I thought that was a really good thing. Uh, My memory of her was that she was slightly more ineffectual, but she'd mostly played in a number 10 role when we saw her in the summer. And this time she came on at the wing. So, yeah, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic that she's got something to give now that she's back in the team. I mean, she was pretty much off the face of the game. From where I was, she lost the ball a bit. And it's to be expected, given how long she's been out. And first game back against United's a kind of a... Lovely welcome back, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, I, I, it was just a really a kind of a getting her back out there and getting some minutes, I think, because I don't think she was really ready for that game. Yeah, I think in the summer we had kind of seen her as a bit of a wild card player. And I mean, since she basically didn't play this season, she could potentially be a bit of a secret weapon for us next year um, if she's able to kick on and, you know, establish a place in the team. We shall see. Well, this result, I think, did not end up being too costly in the grand scheme of things. Brighton ended up leapfrogging us into ninth place after beating West Ham by a single goal. But we stayed above both Leicester and Reading in 10th place. We have a one-point lead over Leicester and a three-point lead over Reading after they played their games in hand midweek, uh, with neither team gaining any points from those fixtures. So they stayed where they were. And our relegation scenarios have narrowed considerably. So I'm going to try to sum it up fairly clearly. So basically, if we earn a draw or a win in the match against Reading on the 20th, we are all but guaranteed safety, not completely with a draw. And then if we were to lose, we would be tied on points with Reading, but still ahead of them on goal difference. And if Reading then lost their final game of the season against Chelsea, our result against West Ham wouldn't matter um, unless there was a <laughs> horror loss to West Ham by enough goals to have a slip below Reading on goal difference, which I just think is, it's unlikely. It's impossible, basically. So I won't go into how Lester factors into all of this because truthfully, the chances of Reading pulling off any of the above to relegate us is just very unlikely to happen. So Lester probably doesn't come into it at all. But my question is, does the fact that we're really not in that much danger of relegation realistically make you feel better about losing to United? Or were y'all also feeling just super demoralized by this game like I was? Because I'll admit, in the aftermath, I was just kind of very down about the team. <laughs> well, as I say, I think when we go to Lee, I don't expect anything different, really. I hope for something different, but I don't expect it because it's somewhere we've never been and 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 done even half decent really I wonder quite what that's all about um because as we've said we are able to get better results against United at home uh, and then we go and ship a whole load of goals up in Lee so I think um I don't, I don't think I was hugely upset by the result it was pretty much what I expected would have been nice for it to be different but wasn't expecting it and it's the next two games that 
are going to be key. Well, the next one game, hopefully, will be key in sorting it out. But I do think we, you know, I, as I said last last time, my vibe between being super worried and being not worried at all. So uh, it just um, we shouldn't we shouldn't from this position lose it. And Reading have struggled, and Reading have had a lot of goals against them uh, recently. So hopefully, from that perspective, their confidence. Um, will not be high and that will help us as well because we know that we can score goals but the games we've played against Reading this season don't give us a huge amount of hope to suggest that it's going to be an easy game so yeah um, I try not to think about it and, and get too caught up in it and I hope that the team just go out there and, and do a really good job against Reading and make it clear that that's it with relegation for the foreseeable future if not forever. Yeah, it's funny because I like after the game, which I like, you know, I woke up for the end of the game and was like, oh, no. Um, <laughs> and I um, I was sad about that. And then even sadder when I watched it back, I was like, man, that was so demoralizing. Like the goals we conceded or goals we could concede against like literally any team in the league. It's not like, you know, United special talent that they scored those three goals. So I was upset about that. And I was just upset about the vibes. And then and then Brighton and Leicester just got like absolutely hammered, destroyed, obliterated by Chelsea and Arsenal, respectively. And I was like, oh, okay, hold up. The vibes aren't that bad. Like the vibes could totally be worse. This is fine. I do feel like I do feel like everyone seems like they're going to be up for the Reading game. It's an annoyingly long time to wait for us. So I feel like I'm just like trying not to think about it too much as well. Trying to put everything in perspective. Um, Yeah. So I've really gone through the range of emotions so far. Yeah. I think I similarly have gone down and up a bit and, you know, hovered around some strange place. It felt, bad I think watching it like I said I mean Manchester United had I think it was 76% of possession it felt like we were not in control of much of that game it's good that we didn't concede more because a lot of other teams have conceded more and are conceding more and actually if you look at the fact that our goal difference despite how many losses we've had isn't as terrible as any of the teams around us uh, is a sign that we are holding, you know, we're sort of holding on a little bit. But it it felt frustrating in terms of the setup and it didn't feel entirely like we were being set up in a way to um, make the most of the game, given how well we'd played in the reverse fixture. You know, again, where we didn't have the majority of the ball, but we did much better, I think, uh, offensively. So, you know, I wasn't feeling massively optimistic at the end I think that we have and also I think that people are underestimating as as Shana said you know that we we haven't had great results against Reading this season we beat them narrowly then we lost to them narrowly and then we drew which resulted in a loss on penalties and so we've had three games which have basically come out exactly even against them this season and we are definitely better now but they are also a team that is used to being in relegation scraps in a way that we are not. And that at least, you know, we have, we often say that, you know, there's that experience, isn't it? That people, the teams learn and managers learn how to fight relegation. 
And I hope that isn't something that starts mattering. And I just, you know, we definitely have to beat them because I just don't want to go to West Ham away and need even a point. I just really don't want to do that. And I know West Ham are not great, but they're all, and also West Ham are playing everyone, aren't they? West Ham are playing Bright. Are they playing Brighton or Leicester? Or they played one of them. They're playing the other one. Yeah. For me, it's just, I hate that we're kind of reliant on other teams being worse than us this season, basically. Uh, it's just not a great place to be in, especially with, I think, the relative level of talent that we have in our squad. It, it does feel like it's been a real underperformance of a season. But as Abby alluded to, this game is not going to be this weekend coming up. It's actually on the 20th. Um, so I think we've already basically discussed how we feel about the Reading match. So the other thing to discuss is the matter of the double header that was announced relatively last minute for people who like to plan these things. I know there have been a lot of mixed opinions on this decision by the club to host the final Spurs women match of the season directly after the men's match. So let's just hear some opinions. Before we get to that, I just want to go back one minute because I have just seen on Twitter it being announced that apparently Deanne Rose is likely to be back for the Reading game just to make us even more stressed. I knew that was going to happen. Like, I was watching people, I've been watching like news of her return and I was like, I, ju- I just know. I just know it's going to be against us. I did not need this stress, Rachel. <laughs> you know what? It's fine. She's probably only going to get a few minutes. She was out with a horrible, horrible injury for ages. She's going to get like 10 minutes, right? Like she's not going to start. No, no. It's going to be like when Kit came back and it's great to right. see her and she's going to do some great things, but it's not going to transform their team, I hope. And you know what? We're already going to be 4-0 up. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. We just need to realize that our fate is in our hands if we get this this win. So get it done any way it has to be done. (laughs) But yeah, back to the doubleheader. Are y'all excited about this decision? Do you have concerns? Is there a mix of feelings? I think there's certainly a mix of feelings. I think um, the the late notice of it um, was one thing, you know, only a couple of weeks isn't very long. You know, lots of people were preparing to go on Sunday and, um uh, now some people won't be able to come because it's on Saturday uh and they could have they could have let us know further in advance uh I I also there are a few kind of things I'm worried about like men who will have been drinking since lunchtime uh to watch the men's game still being in the stadium and and the atmosphere that that will bring one to the concourses but two should they then choose to actually come in and watch any of the game um how they might react to what they perceive as not very good football um uh, so it does concern me that that the atmosphere is going to be very different because of that uh there were also some issues that we needed ironing out about how it was all going to happen but it is fine if you want to come and you don't want to come to the men's game you absolutely can get a ticket um, and you'll be able to access the stadium for quarter past three um, and it's unreserved seating in level one all around the stadium and then in the whole of the south stand so there was a lot of as always the comms weren't as clear as they could have been um, which is always always great when you've got two weeks to go until the actual event I'm, I hope it's a really good um, event I hope that it we see lots of people staying um, and enjoying the game. Historically, in the women's game, double headers have not worked. People don't stay for the second game. Uh, and 
it's a weird time to do it the last game of the season when the men will have had their lap of honour around the pitch and all of that kind of stuff. And also, from the point of view of planning, it's weird to do it for the last game of the season because, in my opinion, what you want to do is habit form. You want to get people coming to the game on a regular basis. So you'll get a whole load of people hopefully coming to this game who've never watched a women's game before, but then they've got a whole summer to wait until they can come again. You're not driving that kind of like habit forming. I went last weekend, I had a good time, I'm going to go again the next time it's on, which is like two weekends time. Uh, so I wonder about that and the fact that it was done really last minute is worrying and, and doesn't seem like everything's been taken into account and doesn't make it look like um, the women's team of priority, the women's fans or the women's players. I don't know what's happening in terms of where the women's players are going to be in the stadium um, because presumably they can't use the first team dressing room because the men will be in there. So how is that going to play out and how will that work for them? And I just hope that my fear about the behaviour of of some men in the stadium, one won't affect the fans watching the women's game and two won't affect the players um, because they don't deserve that. Yeah, I think I'm not going to echo everything Sean said, but I guess it's my my biggest concern. I mean, on the one hand, it's great. Yeah, it's really good. They're trying new things. And I absolutely uh, applaud the club for trying new things. But I'm not certain that you try new things on the most important game of the season where you've got like zero room for screw ups. And so that's where those two things come together for me. And the, you know, the issue around timing and why are you doing on the last game of the season, not habit forming, et cetera. I'm also not entirely certain how many people are going to want to be in the stadium from 12, is it like 1230 to it's going to end up being 615 essentially. So you're going to end up being there for about six hours if you really want to stay for the whole double header. And you've got to be quite committed to want to do that. So, you know, and I don't want to be, at the women's game, watching people sort of get up and leave halfway through because they've watched a little bit of it, had a little go, and then they've decided to leave. That's going to be distracting. So just thinking it through would be nice. I've seen people commentating about how in, you know, if you're going to do double headers, it sometimes works better to do the women's game first um, so that you, you know, people can come early. They can still use their ticket for both games, but it's more of a decision and you don't have that kind of issue so much. And, you know, you don't have the issue around, for example, at the moment, we know that some of the men's games, the support can be quite toxic because, hey, it's been pretty bad. And you don't want that to spill over into the women's game in terms of the support base. And so there's issues around having it at the moment, given where Spurs fans are. Hopefully, you know, the Ryan Mason effect is going to resolve that and it's not going to be like that and it's going to all be upbeat and cheerful and you know maybe it's going to come after a great Spurs win and that would be lovely Um, but it's just I think that it matters so much more to the women's team this game than beating Brentford does to the men's team and given that given the pretty much the sort of future of Spurs women, at least for a couple of seasons, rests on this game to some extent, you would have thought that that would have been a big priority in planning it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the main takeaway, that the timing of it was just questionable and the communication was was not great either. So that doesn't help. And I think it's fair to say that the club has a lot of thinking to do over the summer about their promotional strategy with the women's team and just doing a better job overall of not only bringing new fans into the fan base, but retaining fans, keeping fans happy by communicating clearly. 
lots of room for improvement overall. So final note, we did see quite a few social media posts from players from Spurs women basically saying, you know, stick with the team. You know, we're working our hardest to to get this this win against Reading. And I we we have to agree here at N17 Women, you know, we may be critical of individual players at times, but at the end of the day, we are 100 percent behind Spurs women and want them to do well and really, really want them to be safe after this Reading game. So thank you guys for listening. That is all for today. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to recap the Reading match and prepare for the final match day of the season. So until then, you can find us at N17Women on Twitter and come on you Spurs.